Hey guys, so I'm so excited to see the response that we have had for Eugen Volume 2. Thank you so much to all of you who have showed up for this launch. I am so humbled. The whole team is over the moon, ecstatic with the results we've seen so far. And I can't be, you know, I just, I'm so thankful. So thank you so much to every single one of you that have so far downloaded the volume on both Apple Books and Google Play. Um, we are doing such a great job of getting it out there and you guys are really responding to the content. I've heard such amazing feedback from you. Thank you so much. So I wanted to make sure that I came on here and just said a really heartfelt thank you from the bottom of my heart. And this comes from not only me, but the whole team at Skincare Anarchy. We would not be able to do this if we did not see the love from you guys. And we really did pour our souls into creating this volume for you. So it's so, so rewarding for all of us to see you guys show up for it, to show your love for it, and for all the brands to be showing their love by reposting about you, Jen. So thank you. Also, I wanted to mention that this is the start of our brand new series. This is going to be a mindfulness series. It's going to be about overall holistic wellness, everything that has to do with, you know, just being the best you possible. And so we're going to have some amazing guests on this series and I cannot be more thrilled and honored than to be launching it with the iconic and one and only Tori DeVito. I've been her fan for as long as I can remember and when the interview starts you guys will know exactly what I mean because that's literally how I started the interview with her. <laughs> so I hope you guys love it but you know right before we start I just wanted to mention a couple of things so stay tuned for that and then also of course stay tuned for the episode. Thank you so much once again and if you have not had a chance to download Eugen yet make sure that you've Check out the link tree link in the bio and on Skincare Anarchy's Instagram. You will see the link to volume two right there for Apple Books. And also we have sent out a newsletter with the links for both Google Play and Apple Books. So if you are not subscribed to our newsletter, please make sure you subscribe because we send out, we don't send out a lot of newsletters, but when we do, they are heavy hitters and they have a lot of great information in them. But I'm going to let you guys get to the episode. I hope you love it. And I also hope you love these uh, little recommendations I have coming up for you. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, I wanted to pop in and recommend two brands to you that I am absolutely obsessed with. I'm really excited because here at Skincare Anarchy, we're taking a little bit of a turn in the direction of mindfulness, wellness, overall health, and I cannot wait to dive into these topics with you guys. But I think, you know, what I'm going to start doing more and more is really recommending products. I know you guys saw our top picks and I hope you've been loving them. And just to add to those picks, I thought, hey, these two brands are a must have for literally everyone. So to get started, I want to tell you guys about Onology. Onology is a brand that is basically founded on the principles of science, sustainability, and efficacy. And the reason for that is because all of their products come in these little tablets. I know you must have seen them in our top picks because... I, I mean, I immediately put them in our serum top picks when I tried them. And they're these little tablets that you put in the palm of your hand. You add a bit of liquid and it turns into a beautiful aqueous serum. And so you apply it directly on your face. The results are amazing. You will immediately notice that it is something that is working for you. And best of all, you can travel with it. You can do whatever you want. You know, it doesn't matter where you go. It is a little you know, just a leaflet of tablets that you can take with you. And I absolutely love this approach. Now, the second brand is a really, really important brand to me as well, because it's all about holistic care of yourself, self-care. And I cannot think of a better way to take care of yourself than taking care of your feet. 
you know, for me, I know when I am on my feet all day, it is the most draining feeling in the world. And one of the hardest things to do is to get rid of that type of fatigue. I know all the healthcare workers out there know what I'm talking about. When you're on your feet all day, it's impossible almost sometimes to feel like you're rejuvenated, rested, revitalized. And there's, that's where Barefoot Scientist really comes in for me. I love all of their products. You know, I know that all of us love a great pedicure, but how amazing is it if you could bring all of that amazing pedicure, you know, love all the way home and do it yourself, right? Or have someone you love do it for you. So that's where Barefoot Scientists, all of their products are amazing. They have chemical peels for your feet. They have amazing foot masks. They have um, different products that really help with this whole idea of taking care, massaging, and just rejuvenating your feet and the mus the muscles there and the skin there and all of the factors that contribute to the fatigue you're feeling from just being on your feet all day. So I really encourage you guys check these two brands out and for now stay tuned for the episode coming up. Thanks. Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is your host Ekta and I am so excited. Today is such a special episode for me because I am hosting somebody that I have been literally, you know, a fan of for, I don't know, as long as I can remember the first time I saw her <laughs> on the big screen. And I'm just so, so honored and just starstruck, really. And I can't wait to dive in. But without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Tori DeVito. Welcome to the show, Tori. Thank you so much for the honor of coming on to our show. Thanks for having me. What a sweet introduction. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean it. I really, really mean it. And I am such a fan. And I know that, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of great things here for everyone listening, you know. Um, but I just wanted to say that because I think that these days, a lot of people, um, you know, like I, I never hear anyone say, oh, this is my favorite actress or this. I don't hear that a lot lately, but you were, yeah. you've always been one of my favorite actresses. So Thank I wanted you. to say that. That's so sweet. Yeah. Um, so I want to dive in, Tori, and I really want to learn all about you, you know, like really, that's where I want to start. It's just you tell us about how you got into acting, um, everything, you know, in terms of I know you're very, very passionate about, you know, being into like clean products, you know, clean living. And I want to learn all about that, but really want to start with you and your journey and where it all began. If you could uh, kind of walk us down memory lane. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I started playing violin when I was six. Uh, so I think that's what really kind of catapulted me into the entertainment side of things and the love to perform. Um, I played, you know, my whole life. I played uh, in the Florida Symphony Youth Orchestra as I got older. I were I, you know, did jobs and playing violin when I was in high school. I traveled overseas. So I always thought that was my main focus. But when I was about 15 years old, I got... Um, put into modeling kind of a family friend kind of introduced me and I didn't really like it. And I was very shy in front of the camera. So one of the photographers actually suggested to my mom that I take an acting class. And I remember mm. just loving it. I had such a great time and I was like, Oh, this is what I want to do. So um, I kind of got into acting that way. And I was living in Florida at the time. So I did, you know, a lot of commercial work and some guest stars and co-stars because at the time Nickelodeon was in Florida. Um, it's in LA now, but um, so there was a lot of opportunities and, so I did as much as I could. And then I went to a professional children's school for my last two years of high school because I had started working um, and traveling so much. 
And uh, a casting director had a seminar in at my acting school and I went and she was like, when you're ready to go out to LA, let me know. And she uh, hooked me up with some managers to have interviews with. So I graduated high school. I flew out to LA with my mom, met with a bunch of managers, got a manager who I actually still have today, the same one. So we've been together for 21 years now, which is crazy. But, wow. um, and then I packed up my, my explore sport and I drove to LA and that was it. The rest is history. I love that. I love that you mentioned, um, violin. I actually play violin myself in high school. Oh, and yeah. I, and I really love that because I feel like, and I always say this, I feel like we, when we were growing up, like people used to say this, Oh, playing an instrument is like a must have for children, you know, cause it makes you grow up, uh, I guess more intelligent or something. Um, that was the myth back in the day, but I feel like it, you know, I think thing doing things like that also create more intellectually, like, you know, sound adults, you know, whether it's violin and music or it's sports or whatever. So I really like that you have this background, you know, in the arts in a way and music and arts, because yeah, it's huge. I I think that really plays a part in how you kind of make choices for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? So I do always, I always attribute uh, my work ethic to growing up playing violin, you know, especially starting at such a young age and also, um, playing classically because when you play classically as I'm sure you know like you can't improv you have to memorize you have to learn and it's a lot of repetition so you have to you build a really good work ethic at a young age and I do think it activates parts of your brain you know the same parts of your brain that learns languages and all those other things and I always say I feel like my memory is really good for acting because growing up playing pieces that I had to memorize all the time so it really did set a good tone for me um in everything I wanted to do afterwards. Yeah, no, I can definitely imagine that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Everything you said, I I hear you, you know, I've been there in, in my own way. And I really want to actually pivot a little bit because I think that, you know, when with this like, you know, mindset, you know, you grow up and you're this attention to detail, right? That that kind of upbringing, you know, elicits. I mean, you have this clean, healthy lifestyle, you know, thing about you, you you know, from what I've read, you love clean living. And I really want to talk to you about that. You know, how did your upbringing kind of impact that? You know, was it something you always knew, you know, growing up, like I prefer clean products, like I prefer this lifestyle or was it something you came into, you know, in your adulthood? Um, I was always very into products. Like I love from a very young age. I love, I was very interested in like, what vitamins can I take? What products can I use on my face? And I always say like, I started using like anti-aging products, which I hate that they're called that from like a very young age. Cause I was just so curious about it and I liked getting them. And I think that what I didn't know then that I know now was like a form of like self-care that I was already like building in myself. Um, but I, as I got older, um, I remember doing a job in my very, very early twenties. I actually don't even know if I was 20. I might've been like 19 or something. And there was a makeup artist that I had and she was like, Oh, my skincare stuff. It's like, if you took a flower and just rubbed it on your face, like I like everything to be all natural. And so I think that hearing people's conversations definitely inspired me to start looking at the backs of my products and stuff. And then, so I was always kind of into that. I just wanted to do everything. I always liked that that for lack of a better word, vibe, like ever since I was younger, just like very natural, you know, I never really got into makeup, um, 
the way some of my friends were like, I liked everything looking clean and natural, which is not, I think there's such an art to doing makeup. It's just not something I am personally into like that. But, um, so I was always into that natural vibe, you know, I like my clothes were always eclectic in that way too. Like, as you see, I'm wearing my overalls. It's like my go-to outfit. (laughs) I love love living on my farm and just like, you know, so yeah. And I just felt like, why do we overcomplicate things with so many chemicals that are so bad for us? And so um, in my twenties, I got more aware of that. And, you know, LA is so conducive to finding products and things that, you know, don't have chemicals in them. And then when I was in my early thirties, I read that book, uh, woman's code by, um, Elisa Vitti. And it was so eye opening to me because not only did she talk about clean products, but she also said products with certain chemicals are actual like endocrine disruptors. And for women, like exacerbate PMS and cramps and all this other stuff. And I was like, I already struggle with that big time. And so I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that the things I was putting on my body were actually making my period worse. Like what? So you don't realize what effect it has on you. Um, So that always interesting. That's, I mean, I love everything you said because I kid you not, literally two days ago, um, I was talking to somebody about this and we were talking about the skin to the blood uh, access thing, right? Where it's like people don't understand that like what you do put on your skin will get absorbed, you know, into your bloodstream. And like one of the points I remember I brought it up, I was like, you know, as a healthcare provider, we were taught this in medical school that like the only real barrier you have when it comes to your blood and getting into other places is your blood brain barrier and that's it. But really with everything else, it's fair game, you know what I mean? So you have to really be mindful of what you're putting on your skin because it's going to eventually absorb yeah so absolutely I think that's so important. That's really cool, though, that you actually, you know, a book really kind of um, validated that for you. I like that. You know, I feel like not, yeah. not enough people read anymore. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> <So>, yeah. <laughs> but no, that's really cool. And I and I wanted to ask you, you know, because I think this question comes up a lot. Um, and that is really the idea of clean beauty. You know, I think it's been a buzzword for a long time, right? I mean, I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, we've all heard it. And, um, you know, and my real question is like, when I meet people such as yourself that are actually, you know, you live a clean, healthy lifestyle, like that is your preference. You know, what does definition really mean to you, you know, on a personal level? Because I'm convinced that it should never be a label. It should be more of like a personal thing, you know, like what clean beauty is. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's a lot of pressure involved in that, right? Like, it's so funny. I feel like, you know, because of the way I eat and I try to live so clean and stuff, people just assume like, well, you're so healthy. You're so healthy. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I try to be last night. I gorged my face in ice cream, like just normal (laughs) ice cream. That's got all the bad sugars. And I'm sure a ton of additives in it because I really wanted it. You know what I mean? So like clean beauty means to me, like, like anything that makes you feel good and just doing the best that you can, because even I thought I was, I mean, my, my skincare, I know is a hundred percent clean, but you know, there were certain lotions that I was using that I thought were clean. And then I got that Yucca, Yucca app yeah. and it shows you the rating of like how good for something and stuff that I thought was so good was actually poor. Cause I had a certain chemical in it that I didn't even know that I was using. And I was like, Oh my God. So here I am thinking I've done all my research. Um, but you know, you can't beat yourself up. You do the best that you can. Right. And now I got rid of that stuff and like, okay, now I've learned, but, but you know, clean beauty to me is just like trying to be as aware as possible 
of what you're putting on your body and not just what you're putting on your body, but also what you put in your body. Cause ironically, like what you put on your body goes into your body. What you put into your body goes onto your skin. Do you know what I mean? It's like a, like a little thing, but so yeah, I just, um, yeah, clean beauty. I I do feel like that word's gotten a little like bastardized over the years, you know, it's like overused. And unfortunately, just like anything else now, the label has been slapped on so many things that aren't actually clean beauty. And a lot of people don't know. So it's like, but now we've got those apps like, um, yucca where you can like scan it takes two seconds and you know exactly everything that's in it. And I love that. I love that too. I agree with you. And I think that's the, actually, that's the best way to check if something is quote clean or not, because I feel like, you know, for example, like the EU, right? Like I'm sure you know about how stringent they are with their criteria. And so like, whenever I look at brands, I'm like, well, are you following EU criteria? Okay, cool. I can use you. (laughs) You know, it's like that for me. So I, I feel like I agree. I mean, I think apps, these guidelines, like I think consumers are getting more and more aware now. So that makes total sense. Like, you know what you said, because clean beauty, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. When I started the show, I had a panel, you know, got a panel with three brands and we sat down and we talked about it. And I kid you not, Tori, after all of that, we could not figure out what is the definition of clean beauty. We couldn't figure it out, you know? And it was, it was just like, you have, you get to a point where it's like, you know, instead of buying into a label, you do have to do that homework. Like you mentioned, you know, get the app or get the resource and figure it out, you know, for what you believe in. And so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for that. And I think that, you know, what you said really aligns with that whole idea. So I love that. But um, I want to ask you though, I mean, other than what you had mentioned, you had mentioned one product, but was there a time where you felt like everything around you was like not really fitting into this criteria of clean? Because I know, you know, as an actress, I'm sure you've been exposed to a lot of makeup or, you know, stuff they use for like, you know, on stage or, you know, for shootings. I mean, was there ever a time where you felt like I need more options here? You know, like there's, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like all the time too, it's like, you know, you, before any project, like, you know, hair makeup reach out to you and ask what kind of products you use. And I always stress like, you know, please like make it clean and not animal, not tested on animals is a big, big no for me as well. And some people just aren't even aware that some of the products they're using don't fall within that criteria. And so you'll show up to set on that day and you'll see them. Oh, I got this, this, and this, because I saw that this was cruelty-free and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll mix it with something. And I'll be like, but that's not. And then it's already kind of too late. And what am I going to do? Like hold up all of production just because of one product? And like, no. But so it can be kind of frustrating because even when you put it out there of what you're asking for, some people just don't know, you know, and don't do like the in-depth research that you would. So yeah, all the time, I feel like sometimes it's, it's a bit of a struggle, but just keep asking for it and everyone's getting better. And like I said, people do the best that they can. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I figured, you know, I was like, she's been in so many situations. I can't imagine like having to deal with, you know, somebody who doesn't have the products that you would resonate with. So yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. No, I mean, I think now, especially also with makeup, like I see a lot of really great makeup brands coming out with like super clean products, you know? So it's, it's really nice. Yeah. And I love that you're so such an advocate for no animal testing. Honestly, I really love that. As a scientist, somebody who's been in a lab setting, I can't tell you how many times I've even, I used to get into fights with my PIs because they would be like, my professors would be like, we need animal testing. I'm like, do you though? I mean, really though? Do you? 
you know? Right. <laughs> so I it, did a it, campaign. It yeah. I did a campaign with PETA like back in the day. I think I was like, God, 26 or something. And it was about virtual dissection. Um, yeah. And I love that because you really can like, you know, there's so many options now. I mean, we have so many options now. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's absolutely no excuse for it, to be honest. I, I agree with you. We don't need it anymore. I mean, even from a science perspective, it's just not viable. It's it's stupid. I mean, if you you need it, yes, in certain situations, but yeah, you can avoid it. So 100%. Yeah. Um, so I want to pivot a little bit because I know that you've really worked with um, Planned Parenthood, which for me also is very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, I've been very vocal about my, my, I had an abortion, you know, when I was very young, I was, uh, you know, 18, I wanted to be a doctor, you know, at the time, and it was a personal decision I had to make. And, um, you know, I've, I had to go in and visit Planned Parenthood. And I remember my first insight was this is a great, you know, resource for people. And obviously, yeah. as you know, we've had a lot of ongoing in and out with that. So I wanted to talk to you about that and your and your work there, you know, in terms of like your advocacy towards that kind of stuff, because I think we don't get to talk about it enough, you know, at all. So yeah. any comments you have for that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think the most frustrating from, thing for me in this space is that I feel like a lot of people who are anti-abortion um, yeah. look at it through one lens. And what they don't realize, or if they're like anti-Planned Parenthood, it's like what they don't realize is all the other reasons people need abortion. You know, it's like, yes, I fight for the right to choose. But if yeah. you're so against that, fine, fine. I don't agree, but fine. But look at, there's so many other reasons why abortion is just fundamental health care for women, like why we need that. And the fact that it's gotten so far that some women in te uh, Texas had to go into sepsis before getting their abortion is so mind-blowingly crazy to me. And it's so frustrating to me that people lump Planned Parenthood in with just like, oh, that's where they, you know, they're baby killers. And it's like, wait a second, wait a second. First of all, yeah. <laughs> no on so many levels. Second yeah. <laughs> of all, Planned Parenthood provides free health care, fundamental health care for women. You know, yeah. um, you, it, uh, we're, I know so many women that just had to go in there to get checked up because they had nowhere else to go. They didn't have proper insurance for this, proper insurance for that. It is so needed and people exactly. just see it as so black and white which is so very frustrating to me um and it's really unfortunate to be honest it's very unfortunate yes 100 percent. and i think it's like exactly what you said it's not black and white i mean i can't tell you how many of my own friends were like i need birth control you know and yeah. they were trying yes. to make good decisions for their health and they yes. went to the local planned parenthood that was always on college campuses i mean it's crazy to, I mean, even me thinking back and even now as a doctor, I look at it and I'm like, why would you take away a resource for people? Right. You know, like you have these picketers. We've always seen those people right outside of every Planned Parenthood. I know everyone listening can relate. You've always seen them, but okay, that's one thing. It's one thing to do that, but it's another thing like, you know, Tori, you were explaining to take away a resource, you know, like there's right. so many things happening there. It's right. just insanity. Yeah. I know yeah. it's weird. It's like, there's this something that connects 
women feeling empowered and knowledgeable about their own bodies that scares a huge group of people in this country. And I'm not really sure why, yeah. but it's that needs to go. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a night it needs to go and it's a nightmare because honestly, it, like from a physician standpoint, from a, anyone's standpoint, I feel like hell, if you're a woman, you know what I mean? You get I feel like most women get it is that you know you being take like if you take a right away from a person and you put them in a f- situation of fear, that's counterproductive. You know what I mean? You're yeah. gonna cause so many downstream effects. And so I am with you. I just don't understand the logic of it. I feel like if you're gonna do something and you're gonna make it on on a legal level, you need to have logic at the very least behind what Definitely. you're doing. And you know, so it's just yeah, for me, it never made sense. But thank you for answering the question. Yeah. I, yeah, it can be a hard one to answer. So I appreciate you so much. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to, I want to make it, uh, you know, good thing, make things a little lighter, I think. And let's talk about, you know, just your acting career, because I, I love, I, like I said, I've loved everything you've been a part of. I mean, every time I saw your screen, I saw your face on the screen, I was like, oh, I'm going to love the show or I'm going to love this, you know, what I'm watching because you've always been so great with adapting into every role that you play. And I really want to talk to you about that in terms of like honing in on your craft. And I think we can all learn from any, you know, words of wisdom you have here because we're always struggling, right. As, as people to figure out what we're good at. So any, any experiences that you want to share with us with acting? Um, You know, it's so funny. I always feel like acting, acting is very, what is and was very cathartic for me. You know, it's like, you know how they always make like football players or something take like a ballet class to get yeah. them more like agile or whatever the point is. I don't know because I don't know much about sports, <laughs> but um, but I know they yeah. do that. And I'm always like, God, everybody should take an acting class at some point in their life because I feel like it's such a form of therapy. Like it's just you have to tap into so many different parts of yourself, different traumas, you know, it's like you get to use so much of your life that I feel like if you're not acting, you don't really tap into or just kind of lays dormant. And so I just was always, that was my favorite part of it. Just getting to wake up and go to work and use so many life experiences. And I can't tell you how many times too, like after doing an emotional scene, I'd go home and I'd be like, Oh, like I feel so artistically satisfied. And also therapeutically satisfied too. I was like, wow, yeah. I didn't know that's been sitting in my body still for the last 10 years. Glad I got to get that out. <laughs> uh, so it's just, that. yeah, it's, it's just such a beautiful form of expression and, and really um, like human personality study, really, you get to learn so much about nuances of people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I mean, especially like, you know, I've always wondered this is this, and and, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I feel like when you get to be into the inner role of another person, like, I feel like it lets that part of you out that you didn't even like, you could never express before. Right. I mean, that that must be so cool to have that experience. That's, that's really, yeah. You definitely get to tap into parts of yourself that sometimes you're like, I didn't know that was there. Whoops. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Well, I mean, you know, uh, you know, leading from that though, like what about like, w- were there ever roles that kind of um, shaped your idea of like, you know, what you preferred it from like the perspective of like beauty or your own life, you know, like t- taking away from a role and really incorporating it into your own life. Did you ever have moments like that, you know, in your career? I feel like it's like the opposite. I feel like I actually put a lot of myself into the roles, but oh, once yeah. the roles are done, I don't really feel like I take home any parts of them with me 
per se. I feel like it's more that I leave parts of myself with them. So, yeah. you know, most of the stuff I've done, even if nobody can connect it but me, there's always a little piece of me that I've left in there. I feel like that's why I always connected with you. Like, I, and, you know, watching you because I know, seriously, because I felt like it was somebody like I would know in real life. You know what I mean? Oh. Like you're just, I mean that you've just, you're amazing oh. at what you do. And I just, I can't say enough good things. Yeah. Like that's every so time I'm seeing your you. role. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. And I, I, I don't know if anyone listening out there, if you know exactly, I know those of you who know, know, you know what I mean? Because yeah, like I feel like with act with acting, it's like you either, you know, really resonate with the person more, even more so than the character because yeah. like Tori said, you know what I mean? Like a part of you is in that character. So like you Absolutely. resonate with them and then you're always like, man, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, like this made sense to me, but that's, yeah, that's yeah. so cool. That's so cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, I know that, you know, there's been a lot of like, you know, like we talked about the clean beauty thing, but I think I, I want to get your advice because I think there's a lot of people out here right now that are, you know, in the younger crowd, you know, they're kind of growing into who they are. They're trying to figure out what they want to do. And I think, you know, there's not enough information, right. In terms of whether you want to call it advice, words of wisdom, whatever it might be, it, there's just, I feel like no one is really guiding the youth these days. And I really want to get that honest advice from you in terms of like, you know, paving your way, you know, making your life happen the way you want it to happen. You know, any advice you could offer to the younger crowd, you know, in terms of like, Hey, you know, this is what I did. It worked or whatever you want, might want to share. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, you know, I think a big piece of it is like you have to be comfortable failing. I think that's one thing that especially for anyone out there who has tried or trying to be or is an actor, you realize very quickly like failing is a huge part of the job. But I think it's a huge part of life and a lot of people shy away from it. And I think there's so much beauty and so much learning and growth to be had in failing. And if you're not taking big swings and failing, then I don't know that you're ever going to really get to where you want to get to. You know, you have to mess up. You have to fail. You have to make mistakes. It's just a, to me, a fundamental part of life and growing. Um, and not being hard on yourself too. You know, we all make mistakes. There's not a single person on this planet that doesn't make mistakes constantly. And having the awareness to go, okay, I messed up there. Uh, I'll do better next time. But what can I learn from this this time? You know what I mean? No matter yeah. how big yeah. or small the mistake is. And I think also what a big part for me of getting to where I am today with my career, I always attribute it because everyone's like, what is that like? what is the secret? I want to do that. Or I'm trying to do this. And what's like your secret. And I'm like, honestly, I, I hate to disappoint you. There is no secret. The only thing <laughs> I can tell you, like my biggest, um, the thing that I really feel like, cause I saw, you know, especially starting at such a young age, I saw groups and clumps of actors who would like hit really big on really popular shows. And then like 10 years later, you're like, where are they? Where'd they go? Or like yeah. other actors that I felt like were so talented. And, you know, when it came down to that audition the next day and it's like, I would talk to them and they'd be like, oh, did you go to such and such birthday party last night? I didn't see you. And I was like, no, because I was studying for the audition. 
And I would end up getting it. And it's like, not for better, for worse that I was better, whatever, but work ethic is everything. Like being able to say, okay, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to be the one that can't show up to some of the parties. I can't show up to this. I can't show up to that. Um, one day I'll be able to, but right now, like I'm focused on building my career and you have to be okay with those moments of saying like, you guys, I'm so sorry. I can't go out tonight. And I think that sometimes that kind of discipline is lost. And I've seen really talented people kind of like let go of jobs and stuff like that because they didn't want to say no to the party, which that's your choice. I think that's another thing, right? Like realizing that you have complete control and choice over everything you think and everything you do, right? Like, it's like, oh, oh I was yeah. pressured. Yeah, maybe you felt pressured, but you still chose to go. So that's on you. You know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. your perspective, your choices, that's the only thing you do have control over. So why not take accountability of them, you know? 100%. Yeah, I love that. I love that you said that because, I mean, and also, you know, kudos to your dedication. I mean, I feel like that is really like, I, you know, the, the takeaway here for me, you know, is like this idea of you have to be dedicated to what you're doing, you know, and I completely resonate with what you said, because I, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, ever since I started this podcast, I've been a little bit in the media world, social media, especially a lot of people are always doing that. What you had mentioned about the party thing or like going to every event, but it's like, well, what, yeah. are, what are you doing? That's really adding to the value of what you bring to the table, you know? And like, right. like that hard work component, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, I, it makes sense. And I feel like, you know, honestly, it's across the board too, Tori, what you said. Like, it's literally every industry I've ever seen, it, it's applicable, you know? So Absolutely. like for anyone listening, anyone out there listening, if you're younger, like, please take to heart, you know, yeah. Tori's advice. Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen it too. I've seen like some people who, you know, had the natural talent, but didn't yeah. put the work ethic in because they knew they could show up and pull it out of their hat. And then I've seen them, you know, that kind of, that's not sustainable. And then I've seen other people that maybe didn't have the natural talent, but worked so hard and then just got like, got to the top. And it's like, wow, you did that for yourself. You know what I mean? You did yeah. that. Nobody did that yeah. for you. You did that. Like that's, it's really rewarding and satisfying and amazing. But I also think what's really important is to like ask yourself, what you want and why you want it. Cause I do think that is, you know, sometimes you get stuck going down a thing and then it becomes like, do I want to reach this level of success because everyone expects it of me? Or do I really want it? And why do I want it? Like constantly ask yourself and check yourself because sometimes success could mean something so different for you than it does for me or for your parents or for your brothers, sisters, friends, whatever. And so make sure you're not living out other people's success. Like make sure you're really living for what you believe to be successful and be okay with that. You know what I'm saying? I love that. Yes, 100%. And I love that you said that because I kid you not, Tori, like growing up as an Indian woman, you know, in the West, I cannot tell you how many times, like, and I know there's a lot of Indian American, um, you know, young professionals out there that can relate to this exact statement and the, the advice you're giving here, because a lot of times in Asian cultures, they'll tell you, Hey, you need to be a doctor or you need to be an engineer or you need to do this. And I kid you not, there's so many kids out here that will be like, Oh my God, there's nothing else I can do. You know, I have to do this. And it's like, no, you don't, you know, you, you, you don't, because if you do it if for the wrong intentions, you're going to hurt yourself and you might hurt somebody else. And that's not okay. You know? And I yeah. think that that, that message, what you just spoke is so 
relevant, you know what I mean? To, especially to everybody, but really, especially to the people that are in these situations, you know what I mean? Like whether it's cultural, whether it's, you know, parental pressures, whatever it might be, you know, it's so, so relevant. So yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, and I actually want to, I want to ask you though, I mean, if, if you don't mind me sharing, like what was your, like your vision, you know what I mean? At one point with your career, like, did you have that in mind? Like, you know what, I want to get to this point, you know, like at each step, like, did you have like a kind of a guiding light in your own head? Like, this is where I want to be here now. Or did you just say, I'm going to take it one day at a time? Cause I feel like people go either way, <laughs> you know, like they pick. Yeah. One yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you always have hopes and dreams. I always wanted to do things that lit me up and made me happy. I knew that. Um, and I think as like a young 17 year old, 18 year old moving to LA, I had such big dreams, but then when I actually wake up and I'm here now, I'm like, Whoa, I don't even think that version of myself thought that we would actually get here. Like, cool. Okay. Um, and I think that what I wanted kind of evolved with where I got to, cause I think you think, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And then I woke up and I was like, wow, I really built a big career off of doing like really cool recurrings and things like that. And like, and I loved that I kind of built this career on like a, a broader resume versus like, Oh, she's from that one thing. Um, right. And I was like, I love that. Okay, cool. I want to keep going down that role. Like I I built an appreciation for that. And so then my goals kind of changed because I was like, oh, I love that. I love that I can step into different shoes and this and that. And yes, you know, whatever, not to sound pretentious, but you you get recognized out in public or whatever, but I could still have a life, which then I started realizing as I got older, how valuable that was to me. So I was like, oh, thank God that dream when I was 18 didn't come true because I actually love being able to go to the coffee shop. And even if somebody comes up to me, it's not like pandemonium or something. It's like, okay, cool. This is fine. Um, So then that became my goal. It's like, oh, I want to consistently work, do things that make me happy, but I also still want to have a life. And now that I'm older than that, my, I very recently, my goals are changing too. And what I deem to be successful for me, I'm like, okay, I still want to do what makes me happy and roles that light me up. But I also really want to put my personal life kind of at the forefront right now because it's been second for so long. And, you know, I woke up and maybe my career is where I didn't think it was, but also like I would have thought I'd have like 10 children right now. And I don't, not really 10, but so I you, you. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and so I'm I like, hear you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, so that's going to be my main focus right now. And like, you know, and I want to, if I'm going to work, I want it to be really worth it. And I want it to be something that I really love and that I'm going to have fun doing or, you know, um, but building a family is something that's, you know, really important to me right now. So I do feel like that has always been ever evolving for me. And I never really had like a clear view of like, I want to get to here in five years. I want to get to here in 10 years. You know, it's just been like a constantly evolving thing. Cause I definitely want things now that I didn't want then and have things now that I didn't even think of then, you know? So it's, yeah. it's weird. Isn't that the best way though? I feel like that's the best way to live because, you know, I think, um, you know, with all the self-help books out there and all the wellness advice, like I always hear a lot of gurus say that, you know, it's like live in the moment and then whatever yeah. comes comes and then you you move on to the next thing you know it's like I love that though and I'm glad that you that you you know have followed that because 
like, you know, I think a lot of times people have this, like, I mean, I know this, you know, my own colleagues, right? Like they'll have this like five, 10 year plan. And I look at some people and I'm like, you don't even know who you're going to be in five or 10 years. You know, right. you're not going to say tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even know what I'm going to be tonight. I'm going to be exhausted in bed or like, you know, going out. I don't know. But like, right. at the end of the day, you can't plan that far ahead. And if you do, I feel like it would add anxiety, if anything, like yeah. I would be anxious, you know, like right. being a goal right. like that. Right. Because then you're like chasing a person who doesn't even exist yet, you know, right. Like a future version of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think it's really, and I think that's really important to get out there too, because I think a lot of, um, you know, just younger crowd, like, you know, teenagers right now, you know, they look around and they're like, I want this and this is all right. I want. And it's like, I mean, you know, trust me, that will change. <laughs> you know, exactly. That will exactly. I think small goals are important, like to build habits. Like if you want to write a book, you know, you have to say like, yeah. okay, I'm going to write five pages every day, you know, things like that. I think like, but that's more like goal setting and, um, in that way, like that's important. But yeah, I feel like, my God, I never know who I'm going to be, where I'm going to be in the next yeah. like two weeks, let alone two years. So I hear you. No, I totally hear you. And, you know, that actually leads me to ask you, I want to ask you about your favorite, like, wellness practices, whether that's like your favorite skincare products or your beauty products or whatever it is you do on the daily that makes you feel just, you know, wonderful, like anything you can share. So I'm obsessed with Alina Organics. Um, That's the only face products I use. I don't use anything else. She's incredible. She's a a chemist from Russia and she makes all of her own stuff. And it is so, I'm never, ever, ever, I've started using her stuff and getting her facials like six or seven years ago now, I think. I don't know. It's been a while. And um, it changed my skin. And I just like, I'm so obsessed and I've never found anything like her stuff. Like she uses Bacall crystals. She uses um, stuff from the sea, like all these things. And it's all like so good for you that you could eat it. You shouldn't, but you could. Um, (laughs) And I just like swear by her. I send everyone to her. I just love it. And it's affordable too. She's not like crazy. Like a lot of skincare can be, Um, but yeah, I don't use anything else. I'm obsessed. It's Alina Organics. You said that's the brand. Alina Organics, E L I N A. Oh, perfect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check everything out. You have <laughs> the whole it out. And yeah. then makeup wise, like I don't wear a ton of makeup, but what I find, because sometimes I found that like when you're using like clean makeup, sometimes it's too thick, it's too something doesn't fit. Like I've, it, that was a struggle for a while, but I swear now, like the only makeup I use is like Jane Irondale. I, I'm obsessed with her makeup because it's so light. And so good. And it goes on so well. It's like, to me, it's like the perfect makeup. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you about makeup because every time I've seen you, whether it's, you know, like just anywhere, whether photos or like on, you know, on the screen, you always have this glow to you. You know what I mean? And you even have it now. So (laughs) that's so sweet. Well, I actually think too, like the best makeup and beauty hack. It's so cliche, but it's so true. Your mom told you when you were younger, wear sunscreen and drink water. 
Like when I actually, and warm water, whenever I consistently drink warm water throughout the day, I get this glow on my skin that you can't get from a product. It's crazy. Um, And I, my mom has been religiously putting sunscreen on me since I was a kid. And I definitely took that over in my twenties too. And I, even in the winter, people are like, but there's no sun. And I'm like, there is, it's hidden. It's there. (laughs) Um, I wear, you know, make sure that my, uh, my products have SPF in them all the time. That's amazing. I love that. And you know what? I could not agree with you more. I feel like SPF, like we just did our top picks awards. Like they're like, you know, beauty awards. And I was the SPF section. I was like, guys, we need more options. Like we need every brand in the world to be on here because honestly, SPF is so important. And I didn't know that about warm water, actually. I'm going to try that. Like I hadn't heard of that Yeah, I went through a phase where I'd only drink hot or warm water because I actually prefer to hate cold water. And my skin was, I stopped drinking caffeine and was just drinking like hot water. Oh my God, my skin was amazing. Now I've fallen off that bandwagon and I hope to get back on it. I was going to get back on it today. Didn't, didn't happen, but I'll (laughs) get there again. But I swear by it. It's so crazy. It's like also like naturally de-puffing. Like I felt like I wasn't like puffy in the morning. I was like, oh, and the best also to go back to the skin secrets or whatever, the best tip anybody ever gave me when I was younger was whatever you do on your face, make sure you're doing on your neck and your chest. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of people forget that. And I have a lot of girlfriends that will talk about that now. They're like, damn, I wish I did that when I was younger or whatever. Um, But yeah, I, I'm such a freak. I swear to God, I think I put like my, my skincare at night, like all the way down to my torso. I don't think that's necessary, but (laughs) I'd say neck and chest for sure. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm a freak too then because I do the same thing and I swear, (laughs) I swear somebody's scared. I think there's somebody in everyone's life that has scared you to do this because everyone I talk to does the same thing. And we're all like, Oh no, 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 no. I was told <laughs> my neck and my decollete is absolutely like, you know, non-compromisable. So, so necessary. Yeah. But the one thing too, that I think is important for everyone to know, and I think that gets me frustrated about the beauty industry is like, first of all, obviously like I love aging. Aging is such a gift. It is such a gift. And I wish everybody saw it that way. So like, yeah, we do these fun things. Cause for me, like having that ritual with my skincare, it's very like, it's like self-love to me. Like, I love it. I like taking care of this vessel that, you know, houses my soul and I'm appreciative for it. So I take care of it. But with that being said, it's like at the end of the day, as good or bad as it's going to sound, you can just enhance your genetics, but it's all about genetics. And that's why I go so crazy when people are like, oh my God, look at Jennifer Lopez at 50. Like, I want to look like her. Now I'm going to spend all this money to buy all these things to look like her. And it's like, you're not going to look like her. You don't have her genetics. Like, look at her mother. Her mother has great skin too. And I can guarantee you her mother didn't grow up doing all the things that Jennifer Lopez is doing to her own skin, because from what it sounds like, they didn't grow up, you know, with the kind of money that Jennifer Lopez has. So, and her mom's got gorgeous skin and that's genetic for them. That's just, so look at your mom, look at your grandma. And that's probably how you're going to look. You can, you know, enhance what you got, but you got to love your genetics. You know what I mean? It is what it is. And you have to embrace them. I mean, I have to embrace them. You have to, I remember the, the first time I started doing that, like, I think I was like 36 or something. And I was like, Oh my God. I'm getting cellulite on my arms. I was like, what? when did that happen? What the hell? And yeah. then I was like getting really down on myself. I was like, dang, I got to go to the gym more. What does that happen? Blah, blah. And then I was like, wait a second. 
I had this flash of my grandma who I always thought was so gorgeous and like classy looking and she was Italian and just like very Sophia Loren. And she always had those kind of arms. And I was like, oh, oh my God, my grandma's arms. And I was like, I loved my grandma's arms, but me bashing my arms is bashing my grandma's arms. And I would never bash my grandma's arms. So now I have to have a new love and appreciation for my arms because they're my grandma's arms. You know what I mean? It's I genetics. I got my grandma's arms. Great. Great. I love that. I love your perspective. That is so awesome. Like, I, I wish more people thought like that. No, for real, because I, I like literally like I had the same experience with my legs. I played soccer in high school and I was like convinced I'm like never gonna have cellulite. Yeah, I'm never gonna have it. Never, never. <laughs> Looked at my mom's legs. Here I am, 37 years old. I have starting to get cellulite on the back of my legs. And I'm like, well, there you go. You know, <laughs> mom's showing <laughs> up, you know. So I hear you. Totally. I think that that is so real, man. I I just see so many people out here and they're like, Yeah, I'm gonna lipo this and I'm gonna fix that. And I'm like, why? You're beautiful. Right. Just be, be you, be who you are, you know, exactly. and, right. and also, you know, it's crazy to me. And, you know, just to add to what you said, I have interviewed makeup artists before and they're like, well, I don't have to worry about my client's skin because it's usually so well taken care of. And I'm like, yeah, but man, like, we're not like that though. <laughs> you know, like my skin, I have to do a lot to make my skin ready for makeup, you know? So <laughs> I've, I've heard people say that. And it's like, all of us don't have a million dollars every day to spend on, you know, just whatever. Like you have I to know. be mindful. Yeah. So I know. And it's all objective too, right? I mean, we've created this beauty standard for women, but ironically not for men, like the more wrinkles they have, the sexier they are for some reason. So clearly right. that is an example right there to show you that we've created this. This is not like something we're predestined to think from the moment we're born, that women are supposed to have their skin the same from the time they're a newborn till they're dead. And men can just like look however they want to. We have been told this by society. And I feel like it all goes through trends and fads and this and that, because if you look like in ancient times, like you know, women, the, the crone wasn't like a bad term. It was like a, a yeah. good term. It was a wise term. And people used to look to those kind of women as like the, you know, the wise teachers. And it was very like, you know, beautiful and sexy and, and sensual. And now we just don't revere age in that same kind of way, which is so unfortunate, but it's societal. It's not, it's not true. You know, yeah, it, it's not, it's not true. And, you know, it's so crazy to me because I look at this even now, like, you know, it's 2023 and even now things like body hair on women. I'm just like, why are you criticizing women for having body hair? We were yeah. made this way. Biology dictates right. that we have hair. Like, right. what is, you know, and it's like, even my brother, like, you know, Tori, you won't believe my brother's 10 years younger than me. Medicine went into medicine like me, you know, all that good stuff, whatever. But like, he still doesn't get it. I'm like, yeah. I have to yell at him sometimes. So I'm like, listen, you are a man. Okay. And I understand that you think it's okay to have whatever you have, but I'm a woman and it's okay for me to have the same things. You know, right. we're not always going to smell like flowers and roses and petals all the time. Right. You know? We're not, <laughs> we, we're, we're people, you know, we're human beings. And so, you know, it's a lot of learning. I feel like that needs to happen on a cultural and societal level. Like it's, it's getting to that point now where it's like, come on guys, we're in 2023. Let's educate, you know, if, if, especially look at women who have like very young sons, you know what I mean? Like they're very, yeah. very young, still pliable. They're moldable. Teach them, you know what I mean? Teach yeah. them this stuff. But it's okay for a girl to do whatever she wants. You know, it's, Absolutely. it's her body. It's her body. So yeah, I, I hear you. I, and I think that's something that's 
on a parental level, it needs to be definitely something people think about more because Absolutely. my parents definitely didn't think about it. <laughs> Absolutely. But Tori, you're so amazing and I cannot thank you enough. This has been Aww. literally the highlight of my year. I, I'm such a fan. I will always be one of your biggest fans. And I, I'm, just, I, I'm in love with your personality. It's so cool. And you're just a cool person. So thank you. And thank you for gracing our stage. And I, for everyone listening out there, you know, if you guys uh, have any questions or, you know, if you have any follow-up comments or cool stuff, please let us know. We'll pass them along to Tori's team. But Tori, thank you so much. And I can't wait to bug you to come on for part two. So <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for everyone listening, have a wonderful day. Thank you guys.